So we're reading from Shimon Saiva Pratibhudasya 
writ, we know the word anartha, yes? <coughs> what is anartha? Without value. Yeah, literally without value. And so it gets the sense of um, not just being without value, but being being uh, against value, right? And being an obstacle, right? We want to get rid of anartas, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and bahu, do you know this word? <coughs> Uh, that would be bhakti. Multi. Hmm? Multi. Multi. Yes, many. It can be many or multi. Yes. And vrit. Uh, hmm. Here, I don't know exactly why it's uh, there, but it. Yeah, bearing. Okay. So it has the sense of holding or bearing. So bahu anartabrit bearing many inauspicious things. So anartha can also mean inauspicious. Okay, so something is going to be something about a person who's sleeping and dreaming and something about inauspicious things. Uh, many inauspicious things, maybe in the dream. Saeva, that very dream. And this is uh, related to Yeta as. Saeva, that very dream. And that itself, that very one. Pratibhudasya. So we had Apratibhudasya. So then, and that meant of one who is sleeping. So pratibhudasya could mean one who is awake. Very good. Na vai, not certainly. Mohaya, we know the word moha. Yes, illusion, bewilderment. And here, this mohaya, uh, this would be what's called the dative case, Chaturthi, uh, for bewildering. And then kalpate, uh, here is translated as is capable. Uh, we know the word sankalpa. What is a sankalpa? It can mean a vow, some kalpa. What we do when we perform some ritual, first we make the some kalpa. So kalpa, uh, from kalpana can also mean imagine, imagination. Many, has many senses. Okay. Translation purport by His Divine Grace. Translation, in the dream state, one's consciousness is almost covered, and one sees many inauspicious things. But when he is awakened and fully conscious, such inauspicious things cannot bewilder him. I think we all have experienced this, isn't it? I had some dream last night, which was not very pleasant. Um, and I wondered afterwards what was this all about and why. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it had to do with the fact that uh, the Queen of England died. <laughs> was it yesterday or this night? Yeah. Okay, purport. In the condition of dreaming, when one's consciousness is almost covered, one may see many unfavorable things 
which cause disturbance or anxiety. But upon awakening, although he remembers what happened in the dream, he is not disturbed. Similarly, the position of self-realization or understanding of one's real relationship with the Supreme Lord makes one completely satisfied and the three modes of material nature which are the cause of all disturbances cannot affect him. Okay, so here, here is where Prabhupada uh, highlights this, the comparison. When there's a comparison, you're taking one thing which you're familiar with and you're um, using it as an aid to understand something that you're not familiar with. That's probably what analogies do. So dreaming, causing disturbance, waking up, no longer disturbed. Similarly, the position of self-realization, so it's being compared to being awake. It's an analogy which we get many times in the Bhagavad Sleeping, waking, dreaming. And uh, the dream situation, which is unartimbrate, is uh, the analogy is with the three modes of nature. And this is appropriate, again, the context, this is this is Kapiladev, he's talking about uh, the Sankhya philosophy, a special feature of which is the notion of there being three guna, three modes. In contaminated consciousness, one sees everything to be for his own enjoyment. But in pure consciousness, or Krishna consciousness, he sees that everything exists for the enjoyment of the supreme enjoyment. That is the difference between the dream state and wakefulness. The state of contaminated consciousness is compared to dream consciousness, and Krishna consciousness is compared to the awakened stage of life. So, simple comparison. Actually, as stated in Bhagavad Gita, the only absolute enjoyer is Krishna. One who can understand that Krishna is the proprietor of all the three worlds and that he is the friend of all, friend of everyone, is peaceful and independent. What's the verse Prabhupada is alluding to here in the Gita, famous verse? Bhaktaram Yadketapasam Sarvokamaheshvaram Sukhidam Sarvokamaheshvaram Yes, uh, a verse which Prabhupada um, calls what the peaceful. Yeah. He is the friend of everyone. So, um, oh, okay. Worlds that he is. This, he is the friend. The Lord is the friend of everyone is peaceful and independent. As long as the conditioned soul does not have this knowledge, he wants to be the enjoyer. He wants to become a humanitarian or philanthropist and open hospitals and schools for his fellow human beings. This is all illusion. But one cannot benefit anyone <laughs> by such material activities. If one wishes to benefit his fellow brother, he must awaken his dormant Krishna consciousness. The Krishna consciousness position is that of pratibhuta, which means pure consciousness. And so ends Prophet's perfect numbers. Okay, simple, simple point, I would say, 
analogy is something uh, in this case. Um, have you ever experienced experience a disturbing dream? Huh? Also, this night. And then you wake up. But during the dreaming, one is. One feels. During the dream, one does not think, oh, this is just a dream. <laughs> Isn't it? One is, one is locked into this. I don't know, other universe, and one feels emotions evoked by what happens. <coughs> then we wake up, and oh, that was just a dream. This idea of, uh, of life being but a dream is, is not exclusive to the Vedic tradition. We, we see in Western thought, Western philosophy, there's a lot of this Descartes, René Descartes, he suspected, he wondered, is all of this just a dream uh, that's been imposed um, by some, uh, some evil, some devil, some evil being? How can I know what is real? It's said that he used to do his philosophizing while lying in bed. So maybe he was actually dreaming. <laughs> in any case, he famously came to the brilliant conclusion that because he thinks he exists. This is near the end of fourth chapter, sorry, third chapter of Gita. Giving three analogies for covering, because the subject is covering, how the soul is covered, avritam. It's interesting, uh, because uh, as the, the general theme Krishna's answering Arjuna's uh, question. What was Krishna? What was Arjuna's question uh, to Krishna? Atakin prayuto yam paam charitin ispriha anichand api varsneha baladivanujita. How is it uh, that I am implicated in papa anichand without desiring? As if by force, balad hiva. Bala means uh, force, balad, from force, out of force. Um, and then uh, the rest of the chapter is Krishna's reply to this. And famously he says, kama echa, krodha echa, raja unasamukhava, mahashana mahapakha, vithi enam iha. By nouns. It is kama. Esha, the word esha is this, and it is the proximate form uh, of, of the pronoun. So this kama, this what is very proximate, which is close by. Uh, this this kama, this krodha, rajaguna sama. Some ud baba it arises from Rajaguna. That's what Krishna is explaining. And then he goes on to say uh, that uh, this is our enemy, Vaidhi, Vaidman. Know it, Vidhi. This is an imperative verb. It's saying, know. 
you must know it's a command. Vidhi, ena, iha. This here, this is this is the enemy. Iha, in this world or here. And then he elaborates uh, with the word avrita several times. Uh, avrita means covered. So this verse I mentioned before, dhumena avriyate bhatni. So fire produces smoke and that smoke in a sense covers this, this fire, especially uh, when it's when the fire is burning something like wet wood, then they make so much smoke you can hardly see the fire. Adarsha malena malena mala mala means dirt or dust or impurity, and adarsha is uh, is a mirror. So the mirror covered by dust, then again the ta is given these analogies. Ubina garba, uh, the, uh, uh, the embryo in the womb. The womb is covering the embryo. Uh, so these are three different analogies and the commentators explain that these are with respect to the three modes of nature, the degrees of covering. So uh, the greatest covering analogy is uh, the uh, embryo in the womb. It's just very covered. And the, the, the dirt on the mirror, well, there's some, maybe some reflection there that's covered by and then the fire covered by smoke, okay, there's much stronger presence of fire. That's not a goodness. Here in this uh, verse, in the purport, is speaking of being covered um, by the modes of nature, and here the analogy is dreaming, sleeping and dreaming. That's the analogy. So, next time you have a bad dream, and you wake up and you say, oh, that's just a bad dream, it's not real. Then you can remember, and there's an analogy, this whole material existence, it's, uh, it's like a bad dream. That can be awakened from, that's of course. And, Today, because today we are observing, remembering um, the Tirobhava. This is the Tirobhava Titi of Shivanama Charya Haridas Thakur. Um, we can remember how awake Haridas Thakur was in his dedication to chanting the holy name of the Lord. And we may find inspiration in the fact that a person, uh, the Acharya for the holy name, was finding complete satisfaction in his chanting of the holy name to such an extent that that's all he was doing. <laughs> I mean, that's all he did all day. Okay, maybe he ate something. <laughs> not very much. Maybe he slept. Not very much. And why was it? Because he was so utterly um, relishing. It could only be because he was relishing the ma Mahamantra. Uh, just a couple, three days ago, uh, Madhavananda shared this latest edition of uh, something. Mm -hmm. 
which focuses on Haridas uh, Thakur. So I thought we could just read some of this. Uh, he, he first tells um, the story. No, before that. He gives a pranam mantra for Haridas Thakur. Would you like to hear a pranam mantra? Actually, we could chant it together before I just Chatur Mukho, Chatur Mukho, Jagatkarta, Jagatkarta, Chatur Veda, Chatur Veda, Karayana, Karayana, Haridasa, Haridasa, Kalojata, Kalojata, Brahmanam, Brahmanam. I offer my obeisances to Lord Brahma, who is the four-headed creator of the material universe, the knower of the four Vedas, and who took birth as Haridas Thakur in Kali Yoga. This is a mantra that is uh, chanted, he explains, at the Siddha Bapu Bhajan uh, Kutir place of Haridasakur in Puri. So next time you go to Puri, you could be prepared when you visit the Bhajan uh, Kutir of Haridasakur, you could go there and offer obeisance with this pranam. Uh, he goes on to say that Bhakti Siddhanta, Saraswati Thakur, Prabhupada also uh, describes Haridas uh, Thakur as an incarnation of Lord Brahma. Mm. And more than that, uh, okay, he says, mm, some people say that Prahlad entered. Thakur Haridas. Shri Gauraganadesha Deepika asserts that Ritchika Muni's son, Jamadagmi, the greatly ascetic Brahma, and Prahlad Maharaj appeared as Thakur Haridas. Three in one. Shiva uh, Murari Gupta writes in Chaitanya Charita that because <laughs> because Ritika Muni's son did not wash some Tulsi leaves after picking them, his father cursed him to take birth in a Yavana family. He has now appeared as the most devoted Haridas. His father must have had a very short temper, I have to say. <laughs> you didn't wash the Tulsi with after thinking. I curse it to be born in a time. Watch out for Richard. Those who are eternally inclined to serve Lord Hari are called Nityasiddha. And those who are eternally averse to serving the Lord, but who have now become inclined to serve me by his mercy or the mercy of his devotees are called Sadhana Devotees. Prahlad is eternally inclined to serve Krishna's lotus feet. Okay, then uh, he elaborates the story of how, um, how Lord Brahma was feeling very remorseful after his little experiment in Vrindavan of stealing the cow, herd boys, and calves from Krishna, realized his mistake, 
came before Lord Krishna, offered his extensive prayers, uh, which are recorded in Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 14. And Lord Krishna forgave him, although not in any strong sense. He didn't say anything. Uh, basically, it was kind of forgiving, like, okay, I forgive you, but don't do it again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's, it's said that uh, Lord Ramad didn't feel that this was enough. He needed to perform further some atonement, some serious atonement. Well, actually, yes, in order to get the Lord's mercy, tap and uh, So, I think the word kripa is used. Kripa uh, for the Lord's accepting, okay, but uh, anugraha is what it comes Then uh, there's a, a nice passage in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, and you may be aware that in the first part, Narada Muni is visiting the different devotees, um, traveling the universe to find that devotee who has received uh, the, the greatest mercy of the Lord the full mercy of the Lord. And he's going from one to another and praising them. And after he praises them, each devotee denies that he has received the mercy of the Lord. And by the denial, or they explain why they are actually not fortunate, they are unfortunate. In this case, in this case, Lord Brahma is denying to Narada that he is fortunate. Why? He explains. I'm always bewildered by Krishna's illusory energy, Maya. Thus, I think myself the controller, the grandfather, and guru of the universe. <laughs> I'm thinking all these things about myself. Proud of my birth from Krishna's lotus navel. I consider myself to be a great ascetic and great worshipper of Krishna. I am overwhelmed by the countless duties of universal management. Worrying about the imminent destruction of my planet, I live in terror of the all-devouring end of time. In spite of my show, my external show, all I really want is liberation for myself. So it's a kind of confession that Lord Dharma shares uh, with Narada. I just want liberation, so what kind of a devotee? Well, then we get the accounts from Chilvatinotakura, it's not a Mahatmya, of how Lord Brahma, being resolved, I need to do something uh, to atone for this huge mistake and become purified. Uh, he performs austerities where? Anyone know where? You want to guess? Guess guessing is allowed. Bhadrikasana. Hmm? Bhadrikasana. No. Hmm? No, not in Britain. Hmm? You're getting close. Yes, in Navadvip and specifically in Antarvip. Antarvip of Srimad. Yes. 
And pleased by his sincerity, after some time, guess who appeared? Gauranga Mahaprabhu appeared before him and offered to fulfill his desire. And this is what Gauranga said. Yesamaye mamalila prakapta hoide yavaner grihe tumi janamalalide At the time my pastimes manifest, you will take birth in a government's house. And he goes on, you will always think of yourself as low and fallen. Your name will be Haridas. So he, he, it sounds like he initiated him already before he appeared. <laughs> Your name will be Haridas and you'll be free from all pride. Daily. Oh, he even tells him what his sadhana is going to be. Daily, 300,000 names of Adi will dance upon your tongue. And at the, at the time of leaving this world, you will, be, you will have darshan So like that, he goes on. Um, Taking the role of a devotee, I will taste the nectar of bhakti rasa and propagate the rarest process of sankirtan. And he elaborates on his mood, Lord Chaitanya's mood, appearing to experience the prema of Shiradika and so on. And then he gives a, a sort of command. Aji hoite tumi mor shishyata lavive lavive porida sarupe mori shotato From today, act as my disciple and in the form of paridas, always serve me. Uh, later, there's some nice uh, images in this uh, news, newsletter, not newsletter, but Nectar Bindu, <laughs> of uh, Madhananda Prabhu. You can subscribe to it, it's free every two weeks. He, uh, he sends. So, okay. Um, now, another point I wanted to highlight that he mentions, he's quoting Srila Prabhupada in a purport. Uh, this is from Chaitanya Charitamrita Mangalila, 11th chapter, <coughs> 195. Uh, <coughs> he says, Prabhupada says, since he, that is, Haridas Thakur, was born in a Muslim family, Srila Haridas Thakur could not enter the temple of Jagannath due to temple restrictions. Nonetheless, he was recognized by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Namacharya Haridas. Haridas Thakur, however, considered himself unfit to enter the Jagannath temple. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could have personally taken Haridas Thakur into the Jagannath temple if he wished. But the Lord did not like to disturb a popular custom. Consequently, the Lord asked his servant simply to look at the Vishnu wheel on top of the temple and offer obeisances. 
This means that if one is not allowed to enter the temple, or if he thinks himself unfit to enter the temple, he can look at the wheel from outside the temple, and that is as good as seeing the deity within. Some of us have been in Jagannath Puri, yes. And most of us being not having the right shade of skin color, uh, will not be allowed into the temple. But it's interesting to remember Arjuna's Thakur, he probably had the right skin color, but he was considered a Muslim. And in that society, at that time especially, uh, this was like being untouchable, and therefore not allowed in the temple. And Haidas is who it was. He was not qualified to enter. He should not enter. So even if Lord Chaitanya could take him, he said, no, no, I'm not qualified. And yet, and this is what we celebrate today, uh, the, the departure of Haridas Thakur, is the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, was present uh, at the time of his departing the world, and uh, it was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who then arranged for funeral, for the burial, for the placing in Samadhi of Haridas. Uh, he personally collected alms uh, to uh, make a, a feast to celebrate. He personally lifted the body of Haridas and danced with his, uh, with his body, uh, which was at least doubly, if not triply, uh, sort of uh, ignoring the usual uh, rules of purity. Number one, he, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as a sannyasi, well, a sannyasi Brahman, but technically a sannyasi is no longer a Brahman. <laughs> sannyasi is without any more de designations. But still, uh, in that culture, he would have been considered you know, like that higher class. And, uh, and so to touch a body, a live body <laughs> of a Muslim would have been a problem. But uh, it was a dead body. Whether of a Muslim or not, that was also a problem to touch then purification when he expected dead body of a Muslim <coughs> and not just touching but lifting up and dancing <laughs> so he I mean what more honor could one imagine for Haritas and why because he he saw him and not even because he was Lord Brahma but because he was the Namachari, he was giving the demonstration of what just, he was embodying, you could say, he was embodying the chanting of the Mahamantra Hare if you're looking for an excuse to chant more than 16 rounds of Hare Krishna Mantra today, you have a good excuse. Today, is, if you need an excuse, uh, to chant more because today is the day of Haridas Thakur's departure and he was chanting a lot more than 16 rounds a day. <laughs> it said that he was chanting three times 64 rounds per day for at least for some time. Quite amazing. If we do like uh, 
not to imitate, as Prabhupada would emphasize, uh, but to follow and be inspired by heart as Thakur then. What do you think? Will we be awake or asleep? This word vai uh, is um, an, a strong emphasis word and we find it in uh, the Upanishads very much emphasized, making a point very strongly. Would you like to be in a condition of not being bewildered at any time? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. You sure? So, any comments or questions or reflections? about dreaming and waking and chanting and Lord Brahma and yes, Suva, Guba. A little bit of doubt. Um, it's seemingly like my last Thakur had more devotion, at least from my information I had, than Lord Brahma. So, uh, maybe, how how is it that Lord Brahma, how is it that Haridas Thakur can have apparently so much more devotion than Lord Brahma, whom he is, and Lord Brahma is appearing as Haridas, and then suddenly Lord Brahma, who confesses himself, he's only interested in liberation now, suddenly he's completely absorbed in Krishna Pena. Anyone want to suggest an answer for that? Yes. I, I actually wanted to make a comment but it's really fitting. I have heard from Brother Matt from once he was speaking, he was talking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Kailas Thakura and he was saying how um, actually the Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is eternal Lila. Mm-hmm. And so Haridas Thakura is an eternal associate of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the material world, the, the material Lila is temporary. Mm-hmm. And he was suggesting that actually it's not that Brahma is Haridas Thakura, but actually Haridas Thakura is, is Brahma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just now thinking that also. <laughs> yeah. Or another way of putting it, I mean, even if we want to say Brahma, becomes Haridas. Um, he becomes Haridas by the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who then infuses in him. I think that's hinted in uh, the account we just read from uh, from the Navadvipa Mahaprabhu. Yeah that Lord Chaitanya describes his own mission to, to Lord Brahma uh, and then gives him this command, I want you, uh, therefore, to perform this service of chanting only. So we can say at that time, he is uh, imbuing him with Krishna Brahma. So then it's, it's all set up. But I like uh, Radhanatsani's explanation as well. Yeah. <coughs> it's a question of uh, this story in Brihadbhagavatam in the first part, mm-hmm. where Narayana Muni glorifies the devotees, about whom he heard from previous devotees he visited. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and every time that devotee he speaks to or glorifies, he denies that he received the mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question, how does, I mean, it's a question of gratitude. Um, where does uh, gratitude come in? Because you would think that, well, yes, Krishna gave, gave me so much and I should mm-hmm. be grateful. 
but then yet we see that they keep denying <laughs> yeah, yeah. that he gave them anything. So how does Krishna feel? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Maharaj, could you please like repeat the question shortly? Yes. Uh, so Prabhu, what is in name? Acharya. Acharya. He's the Acharya. <laughs> Guru Maharaj tells me every time he sees me that I'm not the Acharya. <laughs> <laughs> He's reminding us. <laughs> uh, so he was uh, coming back to the first part of Brihad Bhagavatamrita, in which each of the devotees that Narada meets and praises then proceeds to deny that they've received the mercy of the Lord. And the, and the question can well be raised, does that mean they had no gratitude for the mercy that they did receive? I would say that um, this is a case of sort of uh, rhetorical flourish. In other words, to they're, they're genuinely feeling Yes, maybe I got some mercy, but I have been, despite getting that mercy, I'm so unfortunate. Like Lord Chaitanya says, Namnama Kariba Hudami Chasarvisha Tacharvita Nimitasmanina Etadishi Tava Kripa Bhagavan Namaki. Tava Kripa, I've gotten your mercy. Api, Jordaivam Idrisham Ajami Na Anu. I don't have Anuraga um, despite having received your mercy. So that could be a way of putting it. And it's, of course, also kind of, uh, we could say, a narrative device. We would say in literary terms. It's a narrative device to move the story forward. Because if each of the devotees said, well, thank you, yes, I have received a lot of mercy from the Lord, then Narada would have no impetus to keep searching. <laughs> he would say, oh, I found, I found, I found Lord Brahma. He's the one who got the most mercy. But Sanatana Goswami's point is, Yes, there is mercy there, but there's more and more and more and more. I guess my question was a little bit for us as practitioners also. Mm -hmm. But you answered that question. So we did receive, because we do, we do need to express our gratitude for the mercy that we receive. Yes. We yeah. should not be ungrateful, and that's also uh, to do with the Lord is also when the Lord just praise us, or you know, yeah. and you know, we say yes, but uh, yeah. you know, then we actually feel that we're you know we have so many unhappiness. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Gratitude combined with humility is what we want, not gratitude covered by pride. <laughs> Look at me, I've received so much mercy. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I got more mercy than you did. <laughs> that would be a problem. Yes. Thank you for the nice lecture. I would like to ask you, you mentioned the points that uh, Different personalities are in, in Haridas How we can understand this? I mean, on the spiritual platform is clear somehow, but maybe we have an overview, or maybe from the Goswami, is something mentioned. What, what, why it makes sense? How to understand this? This is my. This is something maybe less to understand and more to be uh, in wonder about positive sense, like you can find something very wonderful and just say, wow, 
that's really wonderful. <laughs> uh, sometimes our purpose in understanding is not necessarily helpful. It can be a kind of, our motivation for understanding might be to sort of um, take something apart. You know, analysis means to take apart, and synthesis means to go together. And maybe we're just for satisfying our mind or intelligence, we can say, yes, it's like this and like that. But we may not really get it. <laughs> we may not really get the point as a result. In this case, all I can say is how wonderful. <laughs> uh, there's also, I mean, having said that, there's also different opinions about who particular devotees of Lord Chaitanya are. And that's mentioned uh, by Kavikarnapura in his Gauragamadesh and Deepika. Sometimes he will say, some say that such and such is so and so. Others say like this. And then maybe the third comes along and says, well, then must be both. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it wonderful? <laughs> right. Yes. Thank you for the nice lecture. Just coming back to the point that Ajari Pro was talking about, um, I once heard that uh, humility and tolerance are the key uh, to get the mercy. So, could you say something about that, please? Humility and tolerance are the key to get the mercy. Namely, to show the world that we are eager for the mercy. Mm. Yeah, that's nice. Um, we want to be receptacles of divine grace. In a sense, you could say divine grace is always there. It's everywhere available at all times. And it's a question of being uh, receptive. So, um, humility and what was it? Patience? No, humility. Huh? I said tolerance, but also tolerance. Yeah. <laughs> So we can think the uh, what would it, you know supposing someone is not humble they're very proud and they're totally intolerant could we think oh there there is a perfect candidate for divine grace of course you could say well yes they're candidates in the sense that they are so fallen <laughs> like. <laughs> yes, that's also there. <laughs> but it's it's not our philosophy to imitate Chaga and Madai in order to become candidates for divine grace. <laughs> Rather we want to want to be um, we want to be genuinely feeling humble and tongue. Therefore, Chanada di Sunichina Tarorima These two, humility is the example is Trina. Uh, Trina is grasp. And trinat api means then grass. And then taror, it's either taror api or taror iva. There seem to be two different versions. Um, 
like a tree or than a tree, uh, being tolerant. Nicha means low, Sunicha means very low. And Tarodiva Sahishnuna. Somehow it means tolerant. Ishna. Sahishnu. We could look it up, but that would take too much time. Okay. Is that right? So, shall we say? Gaur Prem Anande Hri Hri Shiva Prabhupada Ki Thank you all very much for your kind participation. And I wish you a wonderful day. Thank you.